Amen. Well, welcome. Uh, my name is Andy Nelms, and I have uh, the privilege of being uh, associate pastor here at Lover's Lane and uh, the pastor of Thrive, one of our modern worship communities. I want to welcome you to worship this morning, uh, especially if this is uh, your first time here, your first time in a while. We want to welcome you to worship. We are so glad that you are here. We are, um, man, we are just happy to celebrate with each other. It's good to see faces again and um, it's good to it's good to be with you, church. We've, uh, of, of course, this is Easter. We've been in the sermon series though about our calling, and uh, and I want to tell you something this morning. Regardless of who you are, regardless of where you've been, you have a calling. Amen. Regardless of what you've done, regardless of who you've associated with or or how far you've strayed. God has a calling on your life. You matter. And so we've been talking about for the last several weeks about how to understand that calling, about how to hear that calling from God, about how to hear what God is trying to tell you, and then not only hear it, but then go and do it. And this week, as we celebrate the resurrection, we want to talk about acceptance. I want to talk about acceptance. You know, something I've learned, and, and maybe you've experienced this as well, um, but accepting new information is a difficult process. All right, can we just be honest for a second? Like, like accepting new information is difficult, especially when maybe it challenges your previously held belief, right? Uh, especially whenever it challenges what you've, um, what you've thought before. We've, we've known this whenever we're on social media, right? When we're on on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever you're on and, and, and you've been scrolling around and you see something that directly contradicts what you've previously believed. And there's that like defense mechanism that happens in your mind. Does this happen to you? Maybe it just happens to me, but I don't think I'm the only one. There's this defense mechanism that happens that, that immediately challenges this other piece of information. Now, that can't be true. Now, that, that, that person, you know, I immediately attack that person. No, that person has done this or that. They can't be telling the truth. Or, no, this can't be right because or this or that. But what I'm really doing is protecting myself. Right? Do you know this? What I'm really doing is I'm protecting myself. Because I'm afraid that if I have wrong information, that maybe it's not just the information that's wrong. Maybe it's my, me personally. Maybe it's myself. Maybe I am bad. That, that I can't separate myself from the information that I have. And this is what makes accepting new information such a difficult process. We know this, of, of course, in, in our world today, whenever things are so divided politically and, and we have conversations with friends or family members and, and we seem to become so entrenched in our ideas that we fail to be able to talk to people on the other side of the political aisle. Why? Because accepting new information is a difficult process. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. Is to just, we're going to talk about the resurrection this morning. We're going to talk about how, how Christians for thousands of years since the very beginning have believed that Jesus was the Son of God, is the Son of God, that he came to this earth and lived in human form, and then he died. And not only did he die, but on the third day he rose again. That is a bold claim. And, and, and if you're here, maybe it's the first time, maybe you don't know what you believe about God, I understand how that sounds. 
I, I, I understand why people are critical of that idea. Here's what I'm going to ask, is that you just test it for yourself. Experience it for yourself. And, and maybe you're a longtime member. Maybe it's your first time back in a while. Maybe you've believed for quite a long time. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. Because I have a feeling that there are parts of our lives that we have not opened up to the resurrection. Even if we've claimed Jesus with our lips, even if we've said, you know what, I believe in Jesus, we haven't really let it sink in and be a part of who we are. We haven't allowed it to change those deepest parts of ourselves. We'll say, you know what, I'll believe in Jesus. I'll, I'll do this whole Jesus thing on Sunday, but for the rest of the week, I'm going to call the shots. Regardless of who you are or where you've been, I'm going to ask you just to test and experience the resurrection for yourself this morning. We're going to hear about the resurrection from the Gospel of John. There were uh, different accounts uh, uh, of Jesus. Um, we call them the Gospels. There are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are four of them. And, and we're going to read out of the Gospel of John this morning as he describes what the resurrection was like. And we're going to be in the Gospel of John chapter 20. And if you're at home and you have your Bible with you, or if you're here and you have your Bible with you, or you're on your app, I encourage you to go ahead and read with me. Again, we're going to be in the Gospel of John. I'm going to start in uh, verse 1 of chapter 20. Read this, that after the, res after the crucifixion of Jesus, that Jesus has already died. He's been placed in a tomb, not even his own tomb, a tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. He's been placed in this tomb, and then this happens in the Gospel of John, chapter 20. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. And I do not know where they have laid him. Jesus has already died. He's been placed in a tomb. And Mary Magdalene go there. The other gospels say that it was not only Mary Magdalene, but Mary the mother of Jesus. And they go there to adorn the body, to prepare the body for death, as was their ritual. And, and so Mary goes, and Mary Magdalene goes, and she gets Peter and John, the, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And we read this about what happened. After she told them, we read this, that then Peter and the other disciple, John, set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. And then the other disciple who reached the term first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand that the Scripture had said that he must rise from the dead. And the disciples returned to their homes. I think this is a really interesting passage because Peter and John go to the tomb. They go to the tomb, and it says that they, they look into the tomb, and they see that Jesus' body is not there. There's all these wrappings. There's these linens that are lying in the place where Jesus' body was. And then it says that they, they saw that it was empty. But John also writes that they did not understand what the Scripture said, that he had to be raised from the tomb. But then they left and believed. I think that's fascinating. There's a couple of things that are left out that I think John might have missed or that the disciples might have missed. First of all, what did they believe? 
right? What did they, what did they believe? They, they saw an empty tomb. They saw linen wrappings lying there. But it doesn't say what they believed. The second thing is this. They didn't tell anybody about it. John, the gospel writer, says that they looked and they accepted what they saw. An empty tomb. But they didn't test it. They didn't experience it for themselves. They didn't try it on to see if it fit. They, they, they didn't experience it. They simply saw an empty tomb and they left. Friends, my hope and my prayer for you is that you would not simply see an empty tomb and leave this morning. That we would open ourselves up to this experience, this thing that is happening here, this reason that God has called you to this place. I pray that you would open yourself up to it. Read that Peter and John, they, they looked in, they saw the wrappings, they saw an empty tomb, they saw that a body was missing, and they left and they believed something. But look what happens. We read that in, in John chapter 20, verse 11, that Mary, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. Why did she look in the tomb? She's already looked. Right? She's, she's already looked inside the tomb. She knows what's in there. Maybe it's because she's testing for herself. She's experiencing this moment for herself. She looks in and she sees this empty tomb and she sees two angels, it says in verse 12. She saw two angels in white sitting there with the body of Jesus had been lying. One at the head and the other at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Mary Magdalene tests, and, and every time she tests, she gets rewarded. Every time she experiences for herself, she gets rewarded. First of all, she, she goes to the tomb in the first place, and she says it's empty. The Peter and John might not have ever come to the tomb had it not been for Mary, had it not been for the women. She tests. She, she's rewarded with bringing the disciples there, and then she stays. After Peter and John have left, she stays. And she looks in the tomb again. She experiences this for herself again. She, she experiences it one more time, and she sees two angels. But she still doesn't quite yet understand. She still doesn't quite yet know what has happened here. And finally, we read this. This is uh, John chapter 20, verse 14 through 18. When she had said this, when she told the angels that they had taken, somebody had taken her Lord, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And listen to this, friends. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Mary Magdalene tests this for herself. She experiences it for herself. And because of that, she sees two angels, and she continues to test and experience it for herself, to, to try it on and see if it fits. And as she does, she sees the resurrected Jesus. 
And not only that, but because she has seen the resurrected Jesus, what does she do but go and tell the disciples what she has seen? And what she tells the disciples is, I have seen the Lord. My hope, my prayer is that if this is your first time here, maybe it's your first time in church for a long time, or maybe you're a long-time member, I hope and I pray that you will look into an empty tomb that you will test and experience this for yourself. And once you have experienced it for yourself, that you will tell others that I have seen the Lord. Didi, you got something for him today? I'm hoping so. That was really good, though, dude. Give Pastor Andy a big hand. Amen. For we know that the resurrection was not only verified with the disciples, but also by every believer of Christ that day. The power of the resurrection was not a one-time event. (laughs) It wasn't. That was verified by a handful of people, but an everlasting event that continues to be verified to this day. Anytime someone is released from addiction, fed fresh produce, amen, that's what we've been doing for a year given care for their children or given counsel, experiencing hope through every decision and action that we take in the life of the church. In the most hopeless and hard situations, they are verifying the power of the resurrection still to this day. That's power. There's power in knowing that that tomb was empty. See, they are verifying the promise and the call that we all hold on to. For Easter allows us to recall that Jesus has, what he has done, continues to do, and will do in the future as we discover how our own calling and giftedness becomes a part of the Easter story. Did you know that you are a part of the Easter story? You can say amen. Are you sure? Let me hear that just one more time. Amen. You are a part of the Easter story, and we are given the opportunity to get up every day and decide, are we going to accept the call that God has given to each of us, or are we not? Maybe if you've been like me, you have a little bit of those cases of I don't want to's. We've talked about that every week, right? What does it mean to go, Lord, I am willing to just do what you ask me to do. Are you willing to acknowledge that it is time to move? God can use anyone. We have to quit waiting for the perfect opportunity to accept. Right now is the time. And sometimes we get so busy trying to make the scenario perfect. Or we get so busy saying, well, well, let me get my children raised. Or let me get a better job. Or let me get out of school. We're waiting for the perfect scenario for God to use us. And God is saying, what are you doing? I can use you right where you are. I'm not waiting waiting for you to get to perfection. I'm just waiting for you to acknowledge that I can use you right where you are. Sometimes people get to see Jesus because they get to see you. Sometimes your life and your call is not meant for anyone else but for you. And there is someone in your life or along your journey that when it's time for them to see Jesus, they're going to see Jesus because they saw you. 
during this series, if you are visiting with us today, or you've been on this journey with us for the past seven weeks, you know that there are seven practices that we have been talking about on our journey to finding our call. See if some of you remember what those are. Do you remember what week one was? It was listening. It was listening. Week two was sacrificing. Are we willing to sacrifice to do what God has called us to do? Three was owning our failures. Are we willing to own all the things that we have done, that we have messed up? Are we willing to own them? Are we willing to lay them at Jesus' feet? And are we willing to persevere? Are we willing to keep on going even when it gets tough? And are we willing to be transformed? Are we allowing God to let us be malleable and to mold us into what he has called us to be, not what we think it should be? And last week we talked about, and are we being obedient? And that's a word that's a little bit of a scary word, correct? Not so he can punish us, but so he can show us what he has created for us. And today as we close, are we willing to accept that he is not there? Are we willing to accept that because he is not there and because he is risen, are we willing to accept that we get to be a part of that story? You and me. And I know that some of us come to church because today it's just the right thing to do, right? But when I stand up here and I tell you that God has a calling on your life and you look at me and you go, you don't know me, you don't know where I've been, you don't know what I'm going through, and you are right, I don't. But here's what I do know. I know that God does. And the Bible says that we are made in his image. And what I know is that God does not make mistakes. And he didn't make a mistake with you. And he's not going to start now. And so when I'm up here saying something to you, and Pastor Andy's up here, a song we sing, it's not hype. It's truth because it's what we believe to our core. It's what we pray and that we hope that when you walk back to your cars, that it sinks to you just a little bit and sinks in and says, you know what, it really is me too. Every day we have the opportunity to stand up one more time, even if we didn't get it right yesterday. But we have the opportunity to stand up today and get it right today. Because he has risen. The calling that you have and only you have has a greater meaning because he isn't there. There's a song that Leah sings. Many of you have heard it. But there's a line in that song, it says, if he left the grave behind him, then so will I. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that day that Mary stuck around. That she stuck around at the tomb and she was shook up enough that she didn't even realize at first that Jesus was standing in front of her. She thought it was the gardener. But there was an awareness that kicked in when he spoke her name. And she knew that when he spoke, that had to be Jesus. Maybe today, 
He is speaking your name. And sometimes all we have to do is stop and be aware of when he speaks our name. Because if he left the grave behind him, then you and I can do the same. Whatever that is for you, Whatever you have been carrying, whatever you have been thinking, whatever you are dealing with in your job or your school or your home. Maybe someone came today and you went, you know what, we came as as a family because that's what we're supposed to do. But I don't know how to leave the grave behind. All it takes is just accepting that Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you, but here's the thing. Today makes it special because when he rose again, he did that for you. Every single one of you. Are we willing to stand up today and accept our call? Are we willing to stand up today and acknowledge that the tomb is empty? Are we willing today to accept that the tomb is empty? Because if he can leave the grave behind him, so can you and so can I.